3: Hardcore is a new series from Heritage Radio Network. Over six episodes were taking a close look at the rebirth of American cider.
0: Really, it wasn't until about 10 years ago that cider started to be revitalized in the United States.
3: From the science of fermentation...
4: So, yeast, it's a fungus. It's a unicellular fungus.
3: ...to the magic of terroir. What really excites us is thinking about communicating that very sort of spiritual aspect of knowing a piece of land. We're setting aside our cider donuts to gain a deeper understanding of this singular beverage. I love a cider donut. You don't have to have a cider donut with your cider. And I will die on that point. Subscribe to Hardcore wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: Welcome to HR and Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson here with my co-hosts Katie Mosman-Wadler and Hannah Forden. Hey Kat, happy Thursday. Happy
2: Thursday. Hey Kat. Sup? What up? Feeling good. We're a little less hairy than last Thursday. We're, a little We're still recovering.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're still
2: recovering from the gala.
1: <laughs> I feel like the gala was simultaneously yesterday and five years ago. Mm-hmm.
3: Kind of like last year's gala. As soon as we got into the space to set up last week, I was like, "I'm sorry, we just. I, I feel like we just did this. <laughs> Were we just like really a minute did. ago? Yeah, and it's too soon. I need to take a nap."
2: Well, we'll tell you in a second about the amazing results of the gala because we have had a little time now to bring all the boxes back to the office where we now live in a um, jail made of boxes. Uh, So if anybody wants to come help us unpack, that would be super cool. If you want a gift Uh, (laughs) bag, that would spare us, you know, free up some space. We got some HRN mugs, 10th anniversary mugs. They're pretty glorious. Come get them. But we have a very special guest in studio with us today that we'd like to introduce.
1: We do. Before we introduce our esteemed guest, I also want to say it's a special day because 100% of HRN's full time staff is in the studio as well. Because we the have building. Matt Patterson Hello. in the booth.
0: Hello. Hi,
1: Matt. Matt's going to play along with some
3: trivia later, too. That's going to be fun. Yeah, but shouldn't this don't... be like the government that like we're not
2: allowed to all be in the same place at the same time? It's
0: unwise. You know, <laughs> I think it's dangerous. liability reasons.
2: Yeah. I don't know. I think it just shows that we're putting the full focus and energy of the network behind HR on Happy Hour every Thursday. It's that is very true. very important. <laughs> it is tr- very Demonstrating true. our commitment.
0: Top priority.
2: We're putting our <laughs> lives on the line for food radio. Absolutely. Um,
1: our guest today is here all the way from Louisville, Kentucky. We have in the studio with us the old Forester master taster, Jackie Zykin. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming all the way up here. Oh, no, from-
5: I came all the way here just
1: for you. <laughs> Yes. Going right back home. We're gonna stick with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about kind of how you got in this very unique role. I mean, Master Taster. There are I'm assuming there aren't many of them in the world. There's not many.
2: No.
5: Um, And they're all different for every company. Actually, it's funny. I was at a music festival um, a couple of months back and I met the master taster for this food company. And Mm. she's like, I invented the Panera Bread mac and cheese. And I'm like, you have the master taster job. Like, I get to drink whiskey all the time, but like, you get to eat mac and cheese all day long. (laughs) Can we switch just for like a day, please? It
2: would be nice Um, if you guys could sort of trade off responsibilities once in a while. Right.
5: I think that we need to do this. Like, just just a little swap. Yes. Taster swap. Exactly, like. Master
2: Tasters <laughs> Consortium.
5: I love that. So yeah, everyone's got a different uh, sort of definition for the role. With Old Forester, it's an interesting piece that kind of works halfway with global marketing and halfway with production. So I am based in Louisville, Kentucky, because that's where our distilleries are. um, And that's where all the product tasting and testing kind of goes on. But I I did not grow up thinking like one day I'm going to be a master taster. Like that never (laughs) happened. That never even crossed my mind as an opportunity because there's so few of these roles. Um, So I was on a med school route, actually, and I ended up getting married and moving to Louisville and things just like took a weird turn and being in Louisville is just so immersed in the entire world of bourbon. And I just fell in love and I worked my ass off. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. I okay. I can say ass. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> and I just, I couldn't stop. It was insatiable. So I sort of grew a name for myself in Louisville. And when this opportunity came up, I was just headfirst into it. So yeah, never even imagined I would end up in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm not originally from there. Um, but I, you know, the world kinda of puts you where you're supposed to be, whether you know you're supposed to be there or not. Like you just kinda of have to give into it and I don't know, just enjoy it. I love it. Old Forester's the best. So. That's so
1: cool. That's awesome. So I there's a lot more interesting things in your background and also <laughs> in your job that we're gonna get into a little bit later. Um, before we get to our announcements and headlines though, you do have a bottle of bourbon in front of you. Well, of
5: course. I travel with bourbon everywhere. Um so we're going to sip on some whiskey, if that's right. okay with you. yeah. That's cool. all right with me. Um, and even better, we're going to make old fashions with it. So Old Forster has an entire line of cocktail provisions that I designed uh, a couple of years back. Because when you're growing a brand and you're doing activations all over the world, and you're saying, okay, everyone, we're going to lead with the old fashioned. That's going to be our go-to cocktail. Okay, well, someone in Minneapolis makes an old fashioned different than someone in Tucson. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of all over the place and it became very necessary to control it so that we're making uniform cocktails because the last thing you want is for someone to taste your product and go, oh, this isn't that good, but it was just like a poorly constructed cocktail. Um, so I developed the perfect old-fashioned syrup. It's already a bittered syrup. You just add bourbon to it. It's idiot-proof. It's amazing on pancakes, just saying. Oh, like, my goodness. Yes. Oh, yes. So All right,
1: we're going to whip some up. All right, so you're going to whip that up, and then we're going to do a few of our announcements and headlines, and then we're going to get back into talking to Jackie. It already smells amazing in yeah. here from these orange and lemon twists that you whipped yes. up a minute ago, mm-hmm. so we're just going to get in the spirit. All right, so the first thing we have to talk about is the gala.
2: Holy moly, guys. It was incredible. <laughs> it was our biggest fundraiser ever. If you opened our newsletter today, you already know this. Uh, we were absolutely blown away, just floored by all of your generosity. It was an incredible fundraiser for HRN. Do you want to say the big number, Kat?
1: I would love to say the big number.
2: The big number is so big.
1: Drum roll, please. We raised in one night $78,000 to support our mission.
2: It was incredible. Thank you all so, so much. Oh
0: my gosh, thank you. Amazing. The you The soundboard us- has never sounded so good
2: yeah <laughs> really lifelike today yeah um, we should do you action. helped us double our takeaways from last year oh there we go yeah. um, they were a little behind on the applause there but our canned audience is also very happy with the <laughs> results um but this was really really a symbolic year for us it's our 10th anniversary we had all of our hall of fame honorees being welcomed at the party and celebrated as well we uh also created some new awards Um, It's Patrick's 10th year since founding radio, and we presented him with the HRN Founders Skillet Trophy, which uh, if you didn't see the pictures of that, please go look. I, I think I found the finest thing that money can buy on the internet. And uh, it's really, it's really spectacular. A thing to behold, truly. (laughs) I've never
3: seen Patrick happier, (laughs) and I've also never seen a trophy better suited for its receiver. It
1: was (laughs)
2: incredible. It's
1: like when people and their dogs start to look alike, but it's like Patrick and this trophy look alike.
2: Yeah, I, I won't spoil it too much, but like suffice it to say, there are pork products, there are multiple eagles, there's an angel, it's like four feet tall, it's just spectacular. Um, And then on a slightly more serious note, we also created an award in Patrick's honor, which is going to be given every year, which is the Patrick Martin's Golden Bacon Award presented for exemplary leadership and service to others, which this first year is given to Tony Butler, our board member emeritus, who's now living in Portugal. Uh, But we emailed him the photo of the trophy, which is going to reside in the HRN studio, and he's coming to visit it in the spring. Yay! That's exciting. Yeah, we're really just psyched. Also, the food was so good. The drinks were so good. And
1: for anyone who wasn't able to join us at the gala, um, it's obviously we're entering into charitable giving season. We really, really hope that you'll be a part of the HRN community and support our mission. We've got 10 years of food radio under our belt, and so we're ready to charge ahead full speed into the next 10 years. And we need your help to do it. So give the first thing coming up is Giving Tuesday, which is next Tuesday. So please, please, please consider making HR and part of your Giving Tuesday charitable giving. Uh, Hannah can tell you all about how to become a member.
3: Yeah. So um, Giving Tuesday is really amazing because we all know, um, you know, Black Friday is the Friday after Thanksgiving when, um, you know, yes, we can all score on sales. But it's also kind of a, a crazy consumerist. <laughs> Madness. So (laughs) Giving Tuesday is the Tuesday before Thanksgiving where the focus is on philanthropy and supporting all the amazing nonprofit organizations that are working to make the world a better place. And as you all know, we are working very hard every day to make the world more equitable, sustainable, and delicious by making... Super educational and entertaining podcasts, uh, free for all to listen to. So, um, if you want to become a member and join our community and continue making our work possible, um, you can go to heritageradionetwork dot org slash donate, and you can choose any member level of your choice. They start at twenty five dollars. Um, we've got really cool member swag that you can wear around town, um, and we'll be super grateful. As as you saw from our gala, like truly every single person who contributes is really important to us so between the restaurants that donate their food um are all of our friends and supporters who buy tickets to our events and become members um we can't do it without you so yeah next tuesday
1: and then a couple things coming up on the horizon that you know when you give to HRN, you're helping support this type of programming and live events. So one thing coming up is the Young Farmers Conference, which will be the 12th time that Stone Barnes Center for Food and Agriculture is hosting an event like this. Um, it's where young farmers from around the world can come um, and spend time with regenerative farming veterans, business and entrepreneurship leaders, chefs and food artisans and their peers. And we're going to be a media partner for the first time this year. Um, Lisa Held from the Farm Report was there last year doing some coverage for her show. Um, but we're going to take the, the full force of HRN up to Terrytown this year. We're going to do, um, collaborate on a panel for some of these young farmers with our friends for the New Food Economy. And then we're also going to do live interviews from the conference on Thursday, December 5th from 9.15 a.m. to 12.15 p.m. Eastern Time. And that will be um, live on our live feed at heritageradionetwork.org but there will also be a Facebook um, video feed as well so you can go to facebook.com slash stone at that day and time and uh, listen and watch live so don't miss out on that um, I know they highly encourage people to have watch parties so that sounds like a fun brunch activity just saying.
3: Yeah, and you rarely get to actually see HRN hosts in action. You get to hear them, but um, it's going to be really fun. We're going to have Lisa Held and Katie Kiefer hosts of The Farm Report and What Doesn't Kill You. So you'll get to see them yeah, you know, hanging out with their guests, learning about farming. And one more quick announcement for
1: January, looking ahead. Um, Sherry Baer of All in the Industry has announced for the first time, um a event based on her podcast it's called the host summit and social a new conference for and about the dynamic hospitality industry based on the all in the industry podcast it's on monday january 27th at the william vale here in williamsburg and you can learn more at all
2: all
1: right now we have a few quick headlines
2: can i have our headline music please Kat? okay i'm gonna try this this is, is a- our first time doing it doing the button ourselves here we go Yes, there it is! So, speaking of all in the industry, this week Sherry Bayer had an incredible guest in the studio. It was Ruth Reichel, the best-selling author and food writing icon. She was formerly the restaurant critic and food editor for the LA Times, the restaurant reviewer for the New York Times. She was editor-in-chief of the beloved gourmet magazine R.I.P. Uh, Tune in to Sherry's show this week for a wide-ranging conversation about Ruth's storied career.
0: Uh... Also, the previous week's guest was Dave Arnold, and she always does the thing where the previous week's guest asks Mm. a question of the next person. Dave's question for Ruth was very interesting. I have not yet heard the answer. Uh, So it's like, check out both, or at least, I don't know. It's it's worth checking out.
2: Cliffhanger, I like
1: it. I like that uh, her show has a serial element to it. Yeah, me too. Love it. Uh, Speaking of Dave Arnold, this week on Cooking Issues, he and Anastasia welcomed our dear friend, John DeBerry, who is a highly accomplished bar professional and the co-founder of the Restaurant Workers Community Foundation. John just launched a non-alcoholic aperitif line called Proto, Proto, P-R-O-T-E-A-U. And his first product is available now. It's called Ludlow Red. It comes in a beautiful wine bottle, and it's a delicious beverage made with blackberry, fig, fig balsamic vinegar, chrysanthemum, dandelion, and black pepper. Totally has, like, a wine quality, but, like, this aperitif quality. Um... Did he
2: leave us any here? I don't think we have any here. I'm looking at the bar right now. Um, John?
1: I know he gave some to Dave. Mm. Um, I've had it at a couple of my friends' parties. I can't recommend it enough for the holiday season if you, you know, if you don't drink alcohol at all or if you just, like, need a break because it's the holidays and sometimes we just need a little bit of a break. Um, You can go to drinkproto.com to learn more. That's u.com.
3: Oh, I can't wait to taste that. Um, and if you've ever dreamed of making the pilgrimage to visit Tsukiji, uh, which is the fish market in Tokyo, then you need to listen to this week's Japan Eats. So as you may know, Tsukiji um, is close to the public and or was close to the public and is reopened as Toyosu Fish Market. Um, Akiko gets the scoop about the new destination from the quote aficionado and tuna expert <laughs> nick mm-hmm. sakagami i see what you did there
1: <laughs> i see that i see that that's his uh instagram bio it's so good aficionado, aficionado.
3: I love, that. love it
1: all right so those are our headlines but make sure it's so hard every week to narrow down what our headlines will be because there's so many great shows on the network so make sure you go to heritage Radio and see all the
2: episodes that are out every single week um all right so so happily during those announcements yes jackie was kind <laughs> enough to make us some old fashions some old forester perfect old fashions they just um, appeared in front of me and so here cool. they are we're about to have a sip can is is there something we should be thinking about as as we're tasting these or anything you want to say about them um well so recipe?
5: to put these together the, the standard recipe we've been using is two ounces of the old forester 100 proof signature um it's part of our core lineup and then a shy half ounce of the old-fashioned syrup. If you want it sweeter, I mean, go for it. If you want less, do your thing. That's fine. Um, I used closer to a quarter of an ounce for this one. Um, but, yeah, I always use an orange and a lemon twist on it because it just helps mm-hmm. to really elevate those citrus notes that are in Old Forster already. But, yeah, I mean, you saw me do it. It's just, like, dump, dump, <laughs> dump, dun. Like, it's, it's the easiest thing in the entire world to do. Yeah, so.
2: I, I will say I was um, pretty impressed with the assembly line because it was kind of, like, <laughs> uh, you know... You had all, all the glasses lined up, and then the next time I looked up, they were all full of old fashions. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh,
5: it's incredibly, incredibly easy. I mean, not everyone has to be a bartender to be able to make a decent drink. We've tried to take all of the effort out of it for you mm-hmm. and just so you can enjoy Old Forest or get on with your day, you mm-hmm. know, so.
1: I think especially with the holidays coming up, people should feel more empowered to, like, make cocktails at home. For sure. And I think mm-hmm. old fashions are a really easy one. You have the rye, so you, a Manhattan's super easy one. What do you think there's like sort of a handful of cocktails that folks should have in their home cocktail repertoire?
5: Um, I mean, it, I guess it depends on what you usually drink, right? I mean, we're definitely not the brand that's like, you have to drink bourbon. If you don't, like, that's cool, like, whatever. We're very laid back about it. <laughs> but if you do drink bourbon, definitely explore Old Forcer because it is really a flagship Kentucky bourbon flavor profile. It's sweet on the front end, it's spicy on the back. Um, But, yeah, old fashions is super easy. With the syrup, it makes it even more so. If you're going to be a Manhattan drinker, just please, for the love of all things, refrigerate your vermouth, please. Just, like, take care of it because maybe you will go through a whole bottle, maybe you won't, but keep it in the fridge because it's perishable and it makes a huge flavor difference. It's my biggest, like, go-to tip for all of that. For how long should one keep it in the fridge? Um, (laughs) What is the maximum fridge lifespan? I mean, it depends on the vermouth. It depends on the sugar content. It Mm -hmm. depends on all of that. All those things affect shelf stability. Um, I wouldn't leave it in there more than a couple of months. Like... They do make vermouth in smaller size bottles. Don't be afraid to pay a little bit more per ounce to get the smaller size bottle. to have a better tasting vermouth and not
3: waste. Isn't exactly bizarre how like that didn't translate. That so many consumers don't really know <laughs> things like that. Are there any other like oh a lot of bars you wish... don't either. Yeah, I oh. see the dusty
5: bottle in the back of the bar, and you're like, I won't be having a Manhattan today. Ooh, yeah. that's a really good tip. Right? Yeah, is so there are there any other things the
3: that like we all sort of do that we shouldn't do or we should do better like how can (laughs) we be
5: better home bartenders um well i mean that's the big one i mean just (laughs) knowing if you've got a wine-based product it's going to go bad you know Mm -hmm. um i keep all of my wine in the fridge anyways um that kind of stuff your sugars will last you a little bit longer but also keep them in the fridge um And I don't know. I don't know any other. That's that's the biggest one. If you're gonna use fresh juice, don't go and buy the plastic lemon and like that's not fresh juice. Like I know you feel like it is, but it's not. Just buy a lemon. It's gonna be okay. Squeeze it. You can keep it a day at the most, you know, and then it's gonna lose its acidity. But um, just take the same care and attention into making your cocktails as you would if you were cooking for a friend you know it's the same thing you want to use the highest quality and freshest ingredients possible um your drink shouldn't be any less than that either so and you're a of course
1: um so i, I want to go back a little bit and talk sure. about your background so you, right. you mentioned a little bit about you know having um a science background so t- tell us about that. What did you go to school for? How did you end up uh, where you are today?
5: It's kind of a sad story. You really want to, like, we we can do this. Like, let's do this? Yeah, All let's right. do it. And you're like, yes, yeah, sad. Um, okay, so I was in college in St. Louis and studying biology and chemistry with the goal of becoming a pathologist because I have horrible horrible social anxiety disorder. And I am terrible with people. And now it's funny because I'm in a job where I have to go and like do things like this, like talk in front of groups of people. And I just sort of have to like leave my body to do my job, which is kind of interesting. Um, I'm a big dork, big nerd, very awkward human being, but it's okay. We'll get over it. So I ended up getting married and he was still in school. And I was accepted to the postgrad program. I wasn't one hundred percent certain if I wanted to go full medical school or just go into path technology. And um, I got accepted to MUSC. They accept three people a year. I worked wow. my tail off to get there. And he gave me an ultimatum. He said I wanted a wife, not a long distance relationship. So you can either go or you know whatever. So I stayed in St. Louis and I kind of started over because like at that point I'm completely lost, right? I've been bartending the whole time just to sort of like pay my way through school, but also bartending and working at an animal hospital and working at a human hospital and like working 56 hours a week with a full load of two degrees, like oh my don't sit still very well. Mm. Um, so I went back to school, I actually went back to school for interior design and just started studying art and just had sort of a little break from it all and then his job this job opened up in Louisville. We had never been to Kentucky before. We had 48 hours to move and him start work into a city I've never been to. And I'm like, Oh my God, it's Kentucky. Like, what am I going to do? Like, Oh no. Louisville is amazing. It's this amazing little hidden oasis. I had no idea even existed. So we moved down there. He continues his thing. I got no reason to be there. Right. Besides to like follow him. And we separated, like things did not work out, but I had fallen in with this restaurant group down there, uh, fall city hospitality. And, they hired me and said, like, oh, here's this chick, whatever, this little blonde girl. She can be a hostess. I was like, no, but, like, I've been a bartender for, like, five years. Like, please, please give me a chance. Um, so within a week, I was their bar manager. And then wow. this, by the time they opened up their second um, concept, they made me beverage director. So I designed all of their bars, all of their menus, all of their cocktails, did all of their lists, all of the training. And then every time they opened a new one, I would just grab another one under my belt. Um, So, but all these brands are based in Louisville, right? They come in and they go, oh, you know, can you do this first? Can you do this? So I start picking up all these side gigs and just sort of built a name for myself. So I did work for Four Roses, for Copper and Kings Brandy was a big part of them opening up, um, for Woodford, for Jack, for Heaven Hill, and just kind of like created this little network. And one day at Brown Foreman, a room full of people, his new team for Old Forester. Camel Brown is the president. He's fifth generation from the founder. Was like okay, so we're noticing that this product, the one we're actually sipping on today, the 100 proof is growing, and it's craft bartenders that have fallen in love with it, and it's going into all these craft cocktail menus. We don't know how to speak to them. No one in this room's ever been a bartender. Like our drink strategy is all over the damn place. Like what are we gonna do? And there was a lady in there who I worked with um, with Four Roses who now worked for Old Forester, and was like, you need Jackie. There was a guy in there I worked with with Woodford who now works for Old Forester, who was like, you need Jackie. There was a guy in there sitting in the meeting I worked with with Jack Stuff who was like, yeah, Jackie, you need Jackie. She shows up on time and like she gets it done and it's fine. Um, (laughs) She's great. And they needed someone that could sort of serve as a spokesperson for the brand that understood the science side of it, but also the cocktail side. So it was like literally the merging of all things into one moment and Campbell and I, he called me, I don't know Campbell, I've never met the guy before, and he's like, would you like to meet me for an old fashioned, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I love, you love old fashions, I love old fashions, we all love old fashions, this is five years ago, and we met at a bar, we had an old fashioned, he ran outside, like, on a phone call, he came back in and was like, would you like to work for Old Forester?" and I was like, what the, oh, uh, yes, okay, <laughs> they were doing this now, so. Here I am, like the longest winded story of all time. Sorry, guys, but like that's that's how I got here. I that's love that. an incredible story. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, I
1: wouldn't call it sad. I call it like a story of resilience and but just like, like and making shit happen.
3: Follow your bliss, which is delicious. There
5: you <laughs> go. <laughs> oh, same, but I don't know. It's it's weird. Life throws you all sorts of setbacks, and like yeah. you have this plan for yourself that you you put down in stone a long time ago, and then you just have to be able to let that go completely mm-hmm. um, and just be open to it. No regrets. I love it. I love everything about it now. So so I was reading
1: um a piece about sort of it was like a q and a of what your day was day is like. Hmm. I think it was on Forbes, maybe. and it was so interesting to me just because of the small things in your day, putting aside like the fact that you have a son and you have mm-hmm. like a whole whole busy, crazy life. but just the the parts about how you actually do your job of being a master taster and you a couple of things that stuck out to me that kind of blew my mind were that. You like to taste between 10:30 and 1:30. That's mm-hmm. like an ideal time for you. And then in that time you're you're tasting between 31 and 93 barrels.
5: Yeah, usually. <laughs> cash you know it's just like a tuesday it's not a (laughs) deal um you water them back so when you you don't taste things at barrel strength everyone like has this romanticized (laughs) idea that you're like in a warehouse just like drinking straight from the barrel and that is not the case that would hurt it would hurt so bad (laughs) exactly and the alcohol anesthetizes your taste buds so much like you're not going to get very far Mm -hmm. um and defects so i'm not tasting to be like oh is this is this barrel Cherry forward, or does this one have like notes of hazelnut? It's not that at all. It cracks me up actually to hear people taste whiskey and they're like, I'm getting this and that. And I'm like, Did you burn the corn? Did you not? Was the pH off like, did you come <laughs> off the still at the You know what I mean? And like things like that kind of have ruined my ability to drink whiskey without overthinking it now because like you go from like a defect standpoint. But yeah, some days it's 30 barrels, some days it's 90. Sometimes there's a week where I don't taste anything at all. It's just kind of dependent on demand. But yeah, it's interesting. You, I don't know.
3: Does your background in like medicine and in science influence kind of the perspective you take as a taster? Um, and also like, so like it's on two factors, like you're looking, you're thinking about the chemistry of the beverage, but mm-hmm. you're also thinking about the psychology of the drinker. Um, I'm just curious how that interacts in your head.
5: Yeah. I think I focus more on the chemistry of the actual liquid itself more so than the psychology of the drinker with that kind of stuff. We, I mean, from a marketing side of my mind, it's, it's a totally different beast, but yeah, that whole background helps you to sit there and think about like, okay, well, this just needs a little bit more oxidation Mm -hmm. or this just needs a little bit more of this or more of that, especially comes into play with cocktails because it's all about a balance, right? And you're basically just balancing chemicals in a glass together. So I've always found it a little, like I, I see it from a different perspective. Cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it all set me up to be here, I guess. Hopefully I'm I'm doing okay with it. So
2: <laughs> Are you a super taster? Do you have yes. biological
5: differences yes. from the average person? Yes. It's a pleasureful thing. It's wonderful mm-hmm. if you're tasting delicious things. It's terrible <laughs> if you're tasting bad things. Everyone's like, Oh, like you can smell all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I can smell a saltine cracker a mile away, but I can also smell terrible things a mile mm-hmm. away too. Mm-hmm. So like it's double edged. But um, yeah, so uh, there are people that have a higher concentration of taste buds. It just, it's just is what it is. And yes, generally, you can say that more women have a higher concentration than men do, and that's mm-hmm. for evolutionary purposes. Um, if men carried babies, it would be reversed. But you're basically sitting here trying to taste something that's not going to kill you or your offspring. And if you're successful in doing so, meaning you have more taste buds because you could pick up on more slightly bitter-slash-toxic notes, mm-hmm. um, all is a win, right? And your kid's going to pass on those genes. So... It's different, but yes, I have um, a grotesque amount of taste buds. It's weird. Um, can you see know. it in the mirror? Yeah, That's you can. Like, <laughs> yeah, so you can. Yeah. You can see them on your tongue. It's wow. weird. I don't know.
2: <laughs> Never um, been asked this before. Did you? Really? Yeah. I feel like you must get asked this every day. No, not what about the super do taste on thing. thing. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Oh, really. Get to uh, the bottom so <laughs> of it. A bunch of nerds here. Uh, so did you already, I'm just very curious about how you sort of, your powers and did you know that you had these abilities as you were advancing in your career as a bartender how did you sort of train to pick up on different defects that are very particular to your industry now Mm -hmm. Uh, did you have like a mentor like how do you get to being somebody who enjoys eating and drinking to actually like being qualified to do your job Got
5: you. Um, Well, one of the owners of the restaurant group I started with in Louisville was a uh, master sommelier. So Mm -hmm. he taught me quite a bit Mm -hmm. um, and kind of guided me through really harnessing it in and thinking about what exactly it was, where you always know if you like something or you don't like something. And sometimes it's hard to articulate why. So he kind of gave me that language. Um, But we do a very, very intense training program at Brown Foreman for roles such as this in the sensory lab where you are blind smelling Mm -hmm. different things and you have to be able to pick them up like it's just a set of jars like with all of these different elements and it's not isolated all the time it's mixed in with different products and it's you have to start from the very bare bones basics so if you've never smelled pineapple you're never gonna smell something and go i'm getting notes of pineapple much (laughs) less like is it caramelized pineapple is it fresh pineapple is it canned pineapple is this that whatever so you have to literally smell and taste everything um, but then you have to go into like building that into more complex blends so something that might be pineapple, vanilla, apple, cranberry, I don't know, all kinds of crazy stuff together and be able to identify each of those. So the way that we process it at BF in a descriptive analysis panel is that we compartmentalize all of those things into it's either fruit, it's spice, it's sweet aromatics. Um, Ethanol is always a character as well. Um, and then there's green notes and there's there's all kinds of things. So good practice if you're even if you're like if you're underage or you're non-drinker you can still do this a good practice is candles I actually trained my five-year-old son with candles this is so sad and it's embarrassing and I realize I'm actually talking about this now but yeah we stand in the isle at target and go through blind smell tests of candle that sounds like so much fun Uh, well it's so cool at such a young age because they don't have that bias where you associate color with an expected smell Mm. right so like he doesn't see red and think it's gonna be apple or it's gonna be cranberry or whatever like he's just going in open and it's awesome um but fragrances and things like that are built the same way you've got bottom top and middle notes and if you can just focus only on okay i'm gonna smell this and only focus on fruit Maybe at first you were like, oh, this smells like a, you know, day at the beach or whatever, but you only focus on fruit and you can pick out those notes. You only focus on spice. You pick out those and you you break it down that way. Um, We teach this in an olfactory class that we do or have done, especially with the rye, because that's one of those things I think a lot of people getting into whiskey – and it, it works with wine too. You can apply it to that where they feel intimidated because everyone around them is waxing poetic about what they find. And they're like, I'm not getting that. Am I doing it wrong? Something's wrong with me. I, I don't belong here, but you do just like, don't listen to anybody else. And just what does it remind you of? And then break down that experience. It reminds you of your grandma's house. Why? Was there a certain cookie she always made? Was there an air freshener she always had? Like and dissect it that way. And it actually resonates a lot more.
2: Fascinating. Uh, I, I want to talk about your taste in food because mm. of the super taster thing. You, I have a a five year old thing. Oh. Like, yeah, what what um what does Girl. that look like for you?
5: I love food, <laughs> but there are certain things that I cannot handle that a lot of people enjoy because it's just too much. Truffle anything is completely out. Uh really pungent cheese, like totally out. Like literally like dinosaur shaped chicken nuggets and ketchup is like my life. Like I know that's really sad, but I don't know. Whatever. I eat a lot of, <laughs> of chips and queso. I'm, like, very well known for that back home. It's, like, yeah. every single day, multiple times a diet, which is What's sad. your preferred queso? Mmm. This is... Oh, this is gonna... you have enough time in this episode to talk about queso? Yeah, we, we can take this wherever girls. you want to go. <laughs> oh, sweet. Okay. If you're ever in Louisville, Kentucky, there's a place called El Mundo, And they have the best queso in the entire world. It's an entire meal in and of itself. Like, it's incredible. But, you know, I enjoy that, like, really, like, processed white liquid. Like, I don't know. It's super bland, but I love it. I don't know. It's... I realize, like, now I'm saying this out loud, like, to the public, like, oh,
2: yes, I have a queso problem, but... I can relate. We're all... You can't? Okay, we're all in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. oh, good. is um, delicious. Very I think good. our last two episodes of this show, the one previous to this, we were eating old-fashioned boozy ice cream, and nice. the one before that, we were eating a huge mountain of cheese from Switzerland... Yeah um, this <laughs> yeah. Video was, oh like, my is stinking. We're we are with you 100% yes. of the way. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. Also I'm... speaking of the
1: Manhattan ice cream, mm-hmm. um, there it's um Tamara Keith from Clementine's Naughty and Ice Creamery in St. Okay. Louis. If you don't know her, you got to know her. You I'm in St. Louis. I leave
5: for St. Louis tomorrow. I'll be there every go weekend. I'm going to have to go for Homework. Fire. Yeah. I'm going to oh, text God. her. And I love you, it. You guys have to meet
2: Because me. <gasps> she had like a banana a buttered rum. Boozy banana. Ice cream. She
1: has a line of like a, a dozen boozy ice creams. And she has a proprietary recipe where she gets the alcohol content to be like 12 to 14 percent. Nice. It's bananas. No pun intended. <laughs> They're so delicious. So we were plotting
3: <laughs> with her that we need to do a, an old fashioned float with like a cocktail and a scoop of her ice cream so I feel like yeah you guys need to become friends we have to just come up with some sort of oh. beautiful epic things fashion. are gonna happen,
5: oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. happen. Completely. <laughs> Yes,
3: her ice cream is just
1: fantastic and she's a career changer she like worked in like a big com- big corporation and then she was like I'm not happy anymore and I just like want to go make ice cream so she has
5: an awesome hey, story. I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, my God. Was, I was so excited to go home. I'm going to try to, like, hold off from talking about St. Louis style pizza because I'm talking about that for three days straight to everyone that will listen to me. Um, but now I have a new thing to explore. Well, well okay. So but oh her, God, just, her like, just in brief, in, brief. Her, in partner, brief.
1: her partner has a pie, pie pizzeria.
5: Mm-hmm. Frank, I know all about pie. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so he was here, here,
2: too, in the studio last pie week. Pie
5: is a, is a very lovely artisanal. Exceptional pizza, but it is not St. Louis style pizza. St. Louis style pizza is like I'm going to use this and I, I'm going to take credit for it, even though I didn't come up with it. Someone described it to me it as this: it's the bar mat shot of gas station food in pizza form. Like it's, <laughs> I know you're making a face, but like trust me, it's so good. It's super, super cracker thin. Mm. The sauce is really sweet. The cheese is Bell cheese and only Provel cheese, and it's this made up cheese blend. Wait, what? It, it's a processed Provel. It's a. Is this but like provolone? it's got some in there and some smoked gouda (laughs) and some other stuff but it's gouda oh girl it's so it's got a nice little smoky hint to it but it does so okay if you've got a pizza that has primarily mozzarella on top it's quite stretchy right so your toppings slip off it's a big old mess this stuff stays liquid form unless it is like cold so (laughs) it you can get a nice clean bite but it sticks to your teeth and if it's too hot it's like melted wax that like grips the top of your mouth it's so amazing no it's so good it's everything
3: so yeah we're learning so much today
1: we're just preparing for our St. Louis trip
3: yeah
5: we've been plotting to
3: go we
1: really want to go yeah Yeah. that's amazing yeah Um, love it right, let's take a really quick break we're gonna come back ask a couple more questions and then we have some trivia we will be right back
3: Ah.
0: My name is Brandon Boyd, co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage.
1: Thank you, Roberta's. We just saw Brandon. That's his voice, so it's like a little funny to hear him after we just saw him walk out of the studio. He was a little more zen on the way out of the studio than that. That audio is really... Yeah, I think he was doing that. He he recorded that at like three in the morning or something. Probably that's the vibe I get from it.
3: Um, <laughs> it's when everyone has their best radio voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so Jackie, one thing that kind of came to my mind as we were talking about cocktails and like and food, I'm I've been thinking a lot lately about, particularly with wine and how many diners go out to a restaurant and they like kind of don't know where to start with the wine list, but I assume it's can be very similar for restaurants that have an extensive bourbon mint, bourbon list. Sure. Yeah. Um, and they don't know where to start. Do they order a cocktail? Do they maybe try to drink a bourbon neat or on the rocks to try to understand and learn a little bit more about what bourbons they like? Do you have any sort of advice or insights for people who are trying to like go out to restaurants and learn
5: more about bourbon? Sure. Absolutely. So forever, this category has been seen, it's, it's got a very heavy purist culture to it where like you're going to ruin it if you add anything to it at all. But I take the complete opposite approach, honestly, like the better your base spirit in a cocktail, the better the cocktail is right. Um, it's just another ingredient in the whole thing. Um, I don't drink it straight if I'm not at work because it just it's like Pavlov's dog. Like I'm like, I'm at work, I'm at work, and I like can't enjoy it the same way. So I'm a cocktail drinker all the time. If you are not a bourbon drinker, do not feel like you have to get to this end game of being able to drink it neat. Mm. It doesn't make any sense. If you're a vodka drinker and you're drinking vodka in cocktails all the time, or you're a gin drinker, you're like a white spirit drinker and you're drinking cocktails. Why the hell would it ever make sense to you to be like, oh, I'm going to drink this whiskey neat. It's going to be 100 proof, which is higher proof than I'm already used to. Plus, I'm used to only cocktails. And somehow it's going to make sense to me in that moment. Because it's not. It's going to taste like diesel fuel. And like, there's nothing (laughs) wrong with that. Like, It's just, you know, it's it frustrates me so much because everyone is constantly like, oh, well, only real bourbon drinkers drink it Mm. neat. Or I don't want to ruin it. I need it to be barrel proof. Like, why? Why are you doing that? Your stomach hates you for that. Don't do it. Stop doing that. Um, so, but if you're going, if you're starting to get into it, don't feel bad about ordering a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Always trust your bartender. Always. They know more than you ever will about all of this stuff back there. Just ask, like open up the conversation. Um, and try everything. If you really like ginger, get the cocktail that's got some ginger element in it and don't look back about it. If you want to start getting into drinking it neat and you want to start doing the whole like tasting note wax poetic thing, like that's cool too. Um, but There's going to be a couple different categorizations for whiskey, right? So bourbon is mostly corn, so it's going to have sweeter notes than if you jump right in onto the rye horse, for example. Um, But the brands are so different. Go to a bar that really specializes in it. Like, don't just go to, like, the whatever down the street that happens to have a lot. If you really want to learn, like I said, like, trust your bartender. Trust your staff. Like, go in and ask them, hey, I usually drink this. What do you recommend? And then go from there. Um, you used to be able to kind of like differentiate them out of weeded bourbons versus bourbons that have rye as a Mm. flavor grain in the background, but anymore, like there's so many other factors that are involved there with the maturation environment and the distillation proofs and all of that stuff. And the yeast strains, it's kind of, you can't just say weeded bourbons are sweet and rye based bourbons are spicy. You can't do that. Mm. Um, the proof is going to be such a major factor in all of that too. So trust your bartender. Look at the list. A lot of lists are organized by flavor profile. Like trust it. Try it. If you don't like it, don't feel bad about it. Just try something else. Like, that's okay, too. But I highly recommend Old Forester. It's delicious. (laughs) (laughs) We should definitely try that. And there's 11 different Old Foresters on the market. So we have them that run the gamut from super, super bold and spicy to very, like, citrus and mint forward and very, like, refreshing and sharp. So um, there's just, God, there's so many out there now, right? There's so many bourbon brands now. Mm. But just... Go easy on yourself. It's just whiskey. You know, like, just don't feel bad. Like, you're doing it wrong. You're not. Like, you're just out exploring things. Like, it's okay.
1: And you should just enjoy it. You
5: should. You should if you're enjoy not enjoying it. it, then don't do yeah. it. I don't care. Yeah. Like,
1: you just don't drink it. <laughs> you
5: <to> have fun. <laughs> Granted.
1: Yes. Thanks, yes.
5: You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay,
1: so we're going to jump into our round of trivia. Um, it should be a pretty quick round of trivia today. Um, in honor of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Oh, God. I've written some trivia on other trails
3: as well. <laughs>
2: It's just not my job style trivia.
3: <laughs> this is trail trivia. <laughs> trail trivia. And we have not, Katie and I have not seen the answers. Matt has not seen the answers. But I know so, everything. Uh, you can always. But we're all, friend. are we all on yes. the same team? are all on the we're same on, team. So it's just team shout team. it out. We're all playing okay. on just team
1: Just shout
2: Jack. it out. Team Jackie. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I make sure I know where my buzzer and my ding, ding, ding are. Okay, great. Because
2: <laughs> I have to <laughs> That is the technical term.
1: The ding, ding, ding. The ding, ding, ding. Okay, question number one. Bruce Trail, the oldest and longest hiking trail in Canada, passes by what world-famous waterfall? Niagara
2: Falls. <laughs> yeah. I can only think of one waterfall right. in Canada only off the one. top of my head.
1: <laughs> Great job. Question number two. What's the name of the game developed in 1971 that was designed to teach school children about the realities of 19th century
5: pioneer life? It's got to be Oregon Trail. So and so has dysentery. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. I, I, yes.
0: Wait, does that mean was it not a computer-based game at first? Yes, yeah, so it was. Name?
1: Yeah, it was. I just, I just said game, but it, yeah, didn't it was specify. on like a floppy disk. Seventy-one
5: floppy. Yeah, yeah. Floppy it was disks.
2: like command line based.
0: Yeah. I okay. Yeah. Did you <laughs>
5: never play that version of it? You're the same Break age as me. a wagon me. wheel.
2: Seventy-one,
0: like... Katie. You did not play the 1971 version of Oregon Trail. Not
2: in 1971. <laughs> no, I know that. <laughs> I went what? to public school where we had to play it on a command line.
0: We wow. I yeah. went to Catholic school,
2: and
5: we had definitely had the 1971
2: <laughs> version. Yeah. Right, uh, trust me, <laughs> I did also, of course, play the animated version. That's yeah, so yeah. yeah. Later, all, all right. right. Here's a follow-up question: mm.
1: the spin a spinoff of the Oregon Trail was the Yukon Trail, in which players traveled from Seattle to stake their claim in the gold rush. The game featured what American author closely associated with the Klondike? Hint: He wrote White Fang
5: and The Call of the Wild. Mm. Jack, Jack London.
3: Boom. Boom. Jackie's killing trivia.
1: Good job.
5: Good job. Good job. Now I'm like, what's Yukon Trail though? Like, it, oh,
3: I hadn't. It. it was very
1: fun. <laughs> is there an iPhone yeah. version of it? Yeah. <laughs> it was like you had to like pack your bag, pa- like buy all your supplies and your axes and sifters, and you had to go get gold. Oh man, do that's, kids
2: that's today complicated. Know about these games? <laughs> you
5: know. didn't have to do that. Like, in is Oregon your son going to play Orient Trail? My son, I, I don't let him play it. His dad lets him play it, but he is obsessed with Minecraft oh, so oh. much; it's all he ever talks about. And I'm like, you can't have that in the house because you're just gonna you're you're gonna go down a sinkhole. Oh boy! Like, yeah. But I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, I will introduce him to get him UConn on that trail. old School. I know. Intro. Seriously.
2: Him. It's it's for him. It's for <laughs> him. It's for him. Because I'm up
5: all night, like high school, <laughs> do mind, just playing Yukon Trail.
1: All right. Question number four. The John Muir Trail runs through the Sierra Nevada Mountain Range and is named for John Muir, a.k.a. John of the Mountains, a.k.a. Father of the National Parks. What country, also known for its whiskey culture, did John immigrate from?
5: Is it Scotland? Oh,
1: nice random stab, too. All right, last question. Three hiking trails make up the Triple Crown in the U.S. The Pacific Crest, the Continental Divide, and which other trail?
3: Watch. Mm,
1: is it Vabalachia? Yeah. Yes. Nice. Nice. There you go. Wow. Sweep Sweetie?
2: sweet the trip. Has yeah. that ever happened? I don't know. I don't but... know if we've ever had a sweep before. i done. Impressive. That was impressive. Team Jackie. You guys should have
5: old fashioned <laughs> <laughs> before trivia more often. Very okay, nice. what is the official term for that sound effect? Because our team has hype buttons at work where if things go well, like literally it's like... Burr, burr, burr. No, I'm serious. It's a thing. It's we, a, call it, a, we call it the air horn. Yeah, the air horn. horn. That's what yeah. the official title yeah. is. We also have a...
0: Whoa. <laughs> we finally devolved into the tour of the soundboard. <laughs> oh my God.
1: That's, that sounds because we're sad the show's over. Yeah. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys Share so much for story, having me. sharing Come your story, sharing your bourbon. Anytime.
5: Let's all go to St. Louis. And, yeah. let's do yeah. it and ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, we're yes. working on it. Okay, we, we are, are ready. On it. It's a date.
1: All right. Thanks, Matt, for engineering our show today. It's a pleasure to have you here.
0: Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs>
2: quick we have to run to opposite corners of the earth before <laughs> something happens to hrn yeah. i'm feeling anxious we're, too, we're all too close Oh, well thanks everyone for sweating it out with us this yeah. week. thank you we so will much. be back uh we won't be back next thursday is thanksgiving y'all have yeah. a
3: great thanksgiving and just a reminder to show your love for
2: hrn on giving tuesday please we love you all right we'll be back when we're back happy holidays See you in two weeks <laughs> adios amigos Bye.
4: Hi, I'm Sherry Bayer, the host of All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm thrilled to let you know about HOST, Summit Plus Social, a new conference for and about the hospitality industry, taking place Monday, January 27, 2020, at the William Vale in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, New York City. Based on my All in the Industry show, HOST, which stands for Hospitality Operations Services and Technology, We'll bring behind-the-scenes talent in hospitality to the forefront in a live format, featuring guests from some of my most popular episodes, including Drew Niporent, Rita Jame, Crystal Mobileni, J.J. Johnson, and Jeff Gournier. Our event will include intimate panels, one-on-one interviews, industry news discussions, curated lunch conversations, and more. Plus, of course, we will have outstanding food and drink throughout the day, including an energizing closing reception. For more information and tickets, please go to allintheindustry.com. And also, please follow us at All Industry on Instagram and Twitter. We are offering a special early bird ticket price until November 30th, so don't miss out. I hope you will join us in celebrating our dynamic hospitality industry. Many thanks. This program is powered by Simplecast.